From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a late career job loss. Surround yourself with people who are going to support you. Today on episode 33 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with Mark Miller. Mark has learned how challenging it is for those in the second half of life to gain meaningful work. While successfully navigating many work transitions for himself, including going from corporate to entrepreneurship, Mark has become an expert in career pivots. Stay with us to hear all the details. If you're trying to build your own business after a late career job loss and want to make more money faster with fewer mistakes along the way, sign up for a complimentary Going Solo action planning session now. Go to goingsoloplan.com. That's goingsoloplan.com. Now let's welcome Mark Miller. Mark is the founder of Career Pivot, which helps those in the second half of life design careers that they can grow into for the next 30 years. Mark authored the book, Repurpose Your Career, A Practical Guide for the Second Half of Life, published in September 2019. Mark is a recovering engineer, a multi-potentialite, and a professional career changer, as he has made six career pivots over the last 35 years. He's also the podcast host of the award-winning Repurpose Your Career podcast. Mark, welcome to the show. Great to have you on. It's wonderful to be on your podcast. Well, Mark, you and I are both recovering engineers, and you actually may have had more career pivots than me, though it probably depends on how you define a career pivot. But regardless of that, the world today is very different than it was when you and I left college, which was a number of years ago. What is going on? Well, the fact is, when you and I graduated from college, we kind of expected that we would get a job and we would stay on that job for 30 or 40 years, and then we would ride off into the sunset and retire. And what did they do? They moved our cheese. They sure did. And, you know, the fortunate thing was my first 22 years with IBM, back in the 70s and 80s, the big com- particularly the big tech companies, but big companies in general, liked people to move around. They liked well-rounded individuals. They liked generalists. And then there came the 1990s, and that started to shift into specialization. And, you know, I was allowed to move around a lot. I claim I had three or four career changes within IBM. But, you know, we live in a world where creative destruction is destroying stuff uh, at a rate that's unprecedented. And we've had creative destruction around for you know, hundreds and hundreds of years, it just, everything has accelerated. So how does that affect people and their work? Well, if you think about, I claim, you know, the whole concept of creative destruction is new technology comes in and it destroys jobs and it creates jobs. So you look at Kodak, they created the first digital camera in 1975. Well, they finally went bankrupt, what, 2012? But Think of what all the the digital movement created. You know, Adobe is a creation of that. Many, many technologies. But then go look at Amazon, which was incorporated back in 1992. (laughs) Think of what Amazon has destroyed. Think about what retail uh, is happening, what's happened to retail. And then all you have to do is sit down and look at your iPhone. 
you know, we used to have these things called cameras. We go out and buy them. We used to have things called maps. We had all, if you, it's amazing what smartphones have, has, have done. And don't be surprised that in just a few years, there won't be anybody in uh, McDonald's anymore, except in the back. You'll walk up, you'll order your food from your phone, and suddenly it'll magically pop out. So if you, as I claim in my book, if you think your job and your industry is immune to automation, artificial intelligence, and robotics, you are smoking something and you are inhaling and you better be doing it in a state where it's legal. Right. So you had, so you were 22 years with one company. Yes. And then I, um, IBM screwed me in my pension back in 99 and I gave them the sinker finger salute and left to work for a successful tech startup. I was worked for a company called Agira that was acquired by Lucent and Lucent's a good example. Lucent back in 2000 was the most widely held stock in the world. Where are they now? Well, they merged with Alcatel and eventually bought up by Nokia. Uh, they don't really exist anymore. And that happened pretty darn fast. And I, I claim uh, what happened to me got me pivoting around through the, through the 2000s was uh, I had a near-fatal bicycle accident back on July 11th of 2002. I hit a car head on 50 miles an hour. And obviously I lived. I tore up a knee. I broke a hip. I dislocated a shoulder, broke a bunch of ribs, broke the clavicle, had imprints in the pads of the helmet in my head, but I had no internal injuries and no brain injuries I'm willing to admit to. And I was in the trauma center for five days. They had me walking on crutches in three days. I was back in a bike in 10 weeks, flying back to China in four months. Oh, by the way, I flew right smack in the middle of the SARS epidemic in Guangdong province, um, which now that coronavirus is going around, um, this is bringing back lots of memories because I was also in Wuhan six months earlier. And I'm going, why am I doing this? So I went off and taught high school math. Uh, I got my math teaching certificate and I went off into an inner city high school. And, you know, I was suffering from what I refer to as MSU disorder, make stuff up. I said, I've been an engineer. I've been teaching adults for 20 plus years. I've done it in 40 different countries. There's a shortage of math teachers. They're going to want me. No, they didn't. <laughs> they didn't want any guy over 40 because we don't do what we're told. I have more funny stories from the two years I taught high school. And I put it bluntly, I couldn't do that and stay healthy. So I then went off and did a year. I did a year of nonprofit work. I worked for the Jewish Community Association of Austin in Austin, Texas. And by the way, I'm not Jewish. So being the face of a Jewish organization and being a non-Jew, being the face of a Jewish organization is interesting. Of course, I went, I grew up in New Jersey, so I my high school was almost entirely Jewish. Uh, but, um, and that's when I went back to another tech startup and then I started career pivot. So you can see I've been able to, uh, seamlessly kind of move between things over and over and over again. And I said, I started career pivot in 2011 because I looked at in the depth of the recession, I was working for a tech startup 
And I started looking for, you know, for what are all these baby boomers going to do? By the job club I was affiliated with, had we were getting 400 people show up in 2009 every Friday. And they were all looked like me. And I'm going, well, what are we going to do with these folks? And the answer was, oh, they're all going to retire. And as we know, about 80% of us can't retire because we don't have any money. So that kind of gives you the rundown of where, where kind of the roadmap I've been taking. Right. And it, and it gives some clues as to the, the scope of the challenge. Yes. Right. When you say, well, we're supposed to retire, but 80% of us can't afford to retire. Uh, that's a pretty big number. Yes. So what's the solution? Well, right now, what, it, what everyone's been saying is you need to work longer. And the answer is sometimes that's really hard. So for many of us, I claim we're going to work into our 70s. Some of us, because we want to. Others, well, because they have to. And they probably won't be as a traditional full-time job. Because, you know, the people I talk to and I deal with, most folks, what they want at this point in life is freedom. Most of us don't want to work for the man anymore. I know at my last tech startup, which I left in early 2011, I worked for a sociopath. I ain't doing that anymore. So it's learning. I think the biggest challenge that I think you and I have been addressing is a mindset issue. I mean, I was raised to be an employee to go work for a father-like company that would take care of me. And that don't exist anymore. Correct. And I see a big difference with with people that are relatively new in the in the working world. Those who are 10 years or less, they have a very different mindset when it comes to work. And what kind of organization they're going to work for? Do they do they work as an employee or not? And for many, if not most of them, the answer is not. And then they know how to navigate that in a way that folks that are over 50 or over 60 don't know how to do. Well, I think it's a matter of willingness. I know my son graduated from college in 2006, and thank God he got a job <laughs> before the Great Recession hit. And so, but those who graduated, you know, in the, in the last 15 years have a very different view of the world. They watch what happened to their parents. And they also came out in some of the worst job markets in, in the history, in the last hundred years. So, you know, we're seeing a very huge shift. And we're also seeing the fact that a lot of these folks came out with massive student loan debts. And by the way, as I, I was just reading, those of us who are baby boomers, we have over $90 billion in student loan debt. Some of it is ours that we accumulated, and some of it was, oh, I want to pay for my kids' college education, so I'm going to co-sign on their loans. Well, <laughs> going into your 60s with massive student loan debt is not a healthy thing to do. And so, you know... How we are going to cope and adapt and learn is going to be very different than what we grew up with, and certainly different with what our parents did. Absolutely. So, so Mark, you have figured out how to pivot. Yes. Many times, and in, and in some cases, the pivots have been what other people would probably perceive of as being pretty radical. You now guide other people how to do this. 
Yeah, I, I think you will find that none of my pivots have been really all that radical. They it may seem that way, but almost all my changes have been what I refer to as half-step career moves. In other words, I had one foot in the old world, one foot in the new world. And I also always had a relationship that took me across. In other words, I never did it alone. Now, at the same time, I, in fact, I've got a chapter in my book on my, on career failures. There are three different times where I made a change and it didn't work. I mean, when I went off to teach high school math, I did it for two years and could not do that and stay healthy. I essentially had to quit after two years. And similarly, I did the, I worked for the Jewish community center for one year and realized I can't do this. I can't work for a nonprofit. The decision-making is way too slow. The consensus decision-making, and I, I can serve on a lot of boards. Similarly, back in the 90s when I worked for IBM, I did a, a one-year stint as a uh, consultant, and I was only on one project, and that was for one of the three major short-term loan companies, pawn shops. And when I discovered it, I said, I can't do this. It violated my morals to loan money, to help a company loan money to the poor at 20% a month, not a year, a month. I said, I'm sorry, not going to be associated with that. And what I learned from those three failures was if you're going to fail, you better fail fast. Two, you better learn from the experience and you better have a plan B going in. And we came from the generation if you, you know, we came from the generation where failure is not an option. Correct. We live in a time where, you know, fail often fail fast. And that's a real mindset shift. You know, based on what we've talked about, are there some major points that you think folks that are in the second half of their career really need to understand if they're going to be able to work into their 70s and beyond and not work for the man and do it successfully. Yeah. The first thing I always claim is know thyself. For most of us, when we graduated from college in the 60s, 70s, and early 80s, we became actors. We played roles. And many of us got really good at playing those roles. And what I've found is many of us who we shoved ourselves into, you know, and I like to say we were square pegs and we shoved ourselves in a round hole and realized that, gosh, when I hit my fifties, it was exhausting staying in character. So there are times in which particularly the, where if you're going to work into your sixties and seventies, there are things that you might be really good at that you need to leave behind. I became a geek that could speak. I'm a phenomenally good public speaker. I'm really good at a networking event. By the way, I'm a big-time introvert. It exhausts me now. So, you know what? I don't do that anymore. And people go, oh, but Mark, you're so good at it. Why would you want to stop? And that's one of the big challenges is what skills do you want to carry forward and what skills do you want to leave behind? Just because you're good at something doesn't mean you should keep doing it. Right. So you have to know what you want to do. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's like right now I'm doing a, uh, my can, can you repurpose your career? I have a podcast 
uh, series that I'm doing. I'm taking a guy through my career pivot evaluation where I essentially pick their personality apart, but more importantly, take them back into their careers and look at times when things really sucked and understand why. And then at the same time, when things went really well, why? Because one of my mantras is it's more important who we work with and the environment than what we do. So when were you the happiest? And it usually has to do with people and the pace and, and everything else rather than what we actually did. Okay. So know thyself is the, is one of the, the main, the main points. Yeah. What, what, yep. what else? Well, it's the other piece is surround yourself with people who are going to support you. Uh, as I said, a lot of us suffer from what I refer to as MSU disorder, make stuff up. So things are changing so fast that we need to actually go, actually go find out the facts about, well, you know what? I want to go be a pastry chef. Well, if I'm an engineer and I suddenly say, I want to go be a pastry chef, uh, you know what? Good luck, particularly if you want to maintain an income. But can I do that incrementally? The answer is, yeah, probably. I can probably go get a job as an engineer in a bakery and then slowly make my way forward. But the other piece is there's so many ways to make money now that just didn't exist even five years ago. Um, I mean, the class example in my online community, I've brought in, I have a, my buddy, Jean LaFay. Jean is 71. She's my image consultant back in Austin. And she has started a fulfillment by Amazon business. And for anybody who's not familiar with fulfillment by Amazon, you ship product to Amazon and they'll put it online and you advertise it and, and they'll do all the fulfillment. Well, her first product is a pierced earring back, not the earring, but the back for women with sagging earlobes. Yes, you can buy these products on Home Shopping Network today. She's sourcing it out of China, shipping it to Amazon, and selling it. You couldn't do that five years ago. And talk about a niche product. Yeah. Well, in my online community, I got my buddy Pierre coming in. Pierre, I used to work with at IBM. He's a, he's a product manager for a technology company. But for the last 15 years, he got into Confederate money. And he brokers selling he trades uh paper money and now he's got he's got four or five books on the topic which he's all self-published and people can sign money with him and he actually makes a small five figure sorry a large five figure uh income from it annually and you go you're he's doing what <laughs> by the way he brokers he sells a lot of his stuff on ebay and you're going, uh, what? So it's, there are all kinds of ways that you can do things now. I've got a guy in my online community. He splits his time between Bolivia and Houston. He's a former mining engineer. As I like to say, he blew stuff up in South America and Central America most of his career. And he now has a consulting business where he helps small construction owners grow their businesses. And he can do it all virtually. He can be anywhere. So, again, you probably couldn't do that, you know, 10 years ago. No, for sure not. And, Mark, what kinds of people do you now work with and how do you help them? 
Well, primarily almost everybody in my online community, and I've formed a membership community, I've got kind of gotten away from one-on-one coaching, is uh, primarily 50 and above. Mostly, uh, actually half my audience is over 60. And the big thing is building a community where everybody can help everyone else out. And so we've got a bunch of like-minded souls. Some are, are continuing to work. Some are starting their businesses. Some are building portfolio careers, i.e. doing building multiple gigs. But the key piece is they all help one another by going. The big thing is keeping people out, out of the inside of their own heads. As we know, inside of our own heads is a very dark place. And where we tend to make stuff up. And as we do that, you know, I'm, my goal is to build a lot of collective knowledge that everyone can help one another. And, and as we build the website out, as people ask questions, and as I said, one of the big things I'm trying to get is, um, is getting people to understand what the possibilities are. There's so many ways to make money these days, and it's probably not working as a, you know, a full-time employee. No, it's it's uh, almost certainly not working as a full-time employee. Well, the big challenge is that's what it's it's what I've always believed I I was supposed to do. So changing that mindset is whereas you know going from a fixed to a growth mindset. Uh, for many of us in our 50s and 60s is a real challenge. But if I see other people doing it, well, they did it. Why can't I do it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So if somebody wants to learn more about this community you're building or access any resources you have or get in touch with you, where would they go? Well, the first thing is go to careerpivot.com. You'll find the community link right at the top of the page. There's a contact me button on the, on the website and you'll find, you'll find my podcast on the podcast link at the top of the, of the homepage. And uh, from there you will find, we are on all the, all the popular places where podcasts can be heard. Sounds great. Well, Mark, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Going Solo. Share your experiences, your insights, hear about what you're doing with your community It's really fascinating. My guest today has been the president of Career Pivot, Mark Miller. Mark, thank you again for joining us. It's been a joy to be on your podcast. When you visit the Going Solo website at smashingtheplateau.com slash going solo, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mention on the show. Today, we learned how to successfully pivot into your next career, including becoming an entrepreneur and much more. If you're trying to build your own business after a late career job loss and want to make more money faster with fewer mistakes along the way, sign up for a complimentary Going Solo action planning session now. Go to goingsoloplan.com. That's goingsoloplan.com. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.